Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. Hey, you guys are here on a great Sunday, and here's why. Um, What we're going to talk about today is extremely important, and I've been almost about to explode to, in talking about this topic. Like, I'm, I'm ready, like, there's, we need to get into this. It's a big deal. It's somewhat controversial. So you won't be bored. Like, you're not going to, you're not going to, like, you're not going to walk out of here and have no opinion about what I'm about to say. So uh, it'll hopefully be engaging and hopefully helpful, useful, all that kind of stuff. But I, I really want us to hear from God on this. And I want to, um, at the end, I want to jump into the scriptures a little bit because this is a really, really important topic. Uh, it's the topic of identity. And the identity crisis that we are facing, I think, in the West and in America very much today. Now, I say identity crisis, and I, and I, I want to say up front, I'm not hyperbole, man. And I think that crisis probably gets a little overused. Like, everything's a crisis. There's a, you know, a mortgage crisis and a housing crisis and an education crisis and an identity. Like, okay, there's too many of those. Probably there's too many wars. You know, we, wars are not just guns. It's like war on poverty, war on drugs. War on, like, we're going to war on everything. We're having a crisis about everything. Everything's a pandemic. I get it. Um, I don't want to overdo it, but I do think that at the end of the day, identity is the thing in America right now. It is the thing underneath all of the other things. So you can say, oh, let's talk about racism. This is a problem. Let's talk about gun control. This is a problem. Let's talk about health care. Let's talk about, you know, all of those things. Let's talk about, you know, totalitarianism and are we headed that way, you know. All of those things are things and they're worth talking about, but underneath those things is this thing. We need, as individuals and then hopefully as society, we need a solid answer to this question. And the question is, who am I? If you don't have an answer to that question, you're going to have a lot of problems. And you're going to have a lot of instability in your life, throughout your life, if you don't have a solid place to stand on the who am I really. You can answer, what do I do? And you can find a job and you can go that route. Oh, this is what I do. And you can, you can take on jobs and roles in life and responsibilities, but at the end of the day, you have to know somewhere deep down inside, this is who I am. It's a question of identity, and it is huge. It is underneath all the things that were, that all the issues that are sort of floating around in culture. It shows up in politics. It shows up in conversations you have with your children. It, um, we are just lacking a solid sense of self. Now, I preach on this topic at least once a year, Honestly, I could talk about it once a month, and it's probably not too much because it is just everywhere. Um, and so we need to talk about it. We're in this series called Cages, and we're looking at um, what are the cages society puts around us. And I think, uh, and then how does the gospel, or how does the message of Christ, or how does following Jesus actually set us free from those cages? And I think this is a huge cage in culture right now, the cage of, of identity. And so I want to, I want to talk about our options here of, of how identity is formed, how we answer the question of who am I. Um, I will tell you right up front, I unapologetically st- stole, borrowed, um, st- what's another word for that? I don't know, t- took from uh, p- pastor and author Tim Keller uh, on this because he's been talking about this and writing about this for like decades and he's got great stuff on that. So I pulled some ideas from him for this. So identity, how is it formed? There are uh, three options of how we might answer the who am I question or how we would even get to an answer to that question. There are three main options. The first one we will call outward. 
identity is formed in some cultures. Identity is formed by what you tell me I am. What other people say about me is a, is a, is a big way that, that we do this. And we do this primarily in traditional cultures. So traditional cultures throughout history and even some around the world today, um, you, who you are is defined by the other people around you. So think about how maybe in, in England um, a couple hundred years ago, think about how um, if your name's Emma and you like to bake things, they'd call you Emma the Baker, and then that's your last name. You're Emma Baker. That's how you, your last name came around. If you're Joe and you're a blacksmith, you're Joe Smith. You know, it's like, oh, it's Joe the Smith. It becomes Joe Smith. Like, even your name came from this thing that people, oh, you're this person. You do this thing. And so your name was maybe a little tied into your job, or, but it was more than your job. It's kind of, this is who you are. You're the Smith. You're the Baker, right? Um, th- that, was, that was what was going on in, in, in England and other places. Um, even now, a piece of your identity is, is outward in the sense that your name, the name that you carry, that was given to you by someone else, your parents. They, they decided what you're going to be named, and so that there's, there's that piece, and your last name came from then. Um, but it actually extends in traditional cultures, it extends far beyond just your name. Like if you grew up working on the family farm that's been in your family for generations, I imagine you don't have too much of an identity crisis in that scenario because you know what you do and who you are and where you fit. You know your role. I milk the cows. I do this thing. I do this thing. And then when my parents, you know, as I get older and stronger, I work on the farm. And then one day when my parents die, the farm is mine. And I'm going to do this. There's not a lot of question about like, should I go be a mortgage broker? It's like, no, you, you are a farmer. This is your life. This is your identity. This is who our people have been for generations. Our fathers were farmers and fathers, fathers, and our mothers are like all, all back through history. You know, and your identity comes from that. Um, you don't have a lot of, and, and so in a culture like that, there's not a lot of question about like, who do you want to be when you grow up? It's an irrelevant question. It's not who do you want to be. You're a farmer. This is who you are. And, and, and you will be told and you will, you will fit into that role. It, it's interesting the way that actually shows up around the world even today in, in some cultures. Think about um, to the degree uh, there are arranged marriages in a country like India. How, how wild is that from a Western mindset to go like, oh, someone's just going to tell me who my spouse is? Like they just, they pick it for you and they go, this is who you're going to be. You're going to be with this person. You're going to live here. You know, our families are doctors or we're this whatever job. And like how much of that is set for you? And how weird does that sound to us living in, in, a, in a Western culture like America? It, it, for a lot of us, that probably sounds terrible, like, you're going to pick my spouse for me. Some of us, you might be like, actually, I would outsource that too. That's fine. Like, at this point, the, the, you know, you know Match.com did not work. Just someone pick and let me know, and I'll just show up. Um, I, I get that. Um, but, but there are cultures in the world where they tell you, very outward, they tell you who to be. Um, and if you visited those and see, you see it, I, I remember being in Haiti. I remember being in Vietnam and, you know, playing with kids and... and and, you know, such an American thing to say to a kid in Haiti is, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you realize it's just not a relevant question. Like, they don't, they don't know how to answer the question because it's not on the radar. You know, they haven't seen all the Disney movies. They don't know that you can be whatever you want to be or, or like, they, 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 they don't have that frame of reference. So their identity is really formed outwardly. Now, to be fair, there are strengths to that. There are strengths when your identity is formed by what everyone else in the culture you grew up in is telling you. And, and if we're going to be honest about it, uh, there tends to be less anxiety and depression in those cultures. Like, they're less angsty about it. 
because you, you fall into a pattern, you fall into a rhythm, you are this, right? And, and, and you would think that would depress you, but it, it, they're less angsty. Uh, arranged marriages have a lower rate of divorce than, than what we do. Interesting, right? You're like, how could that possibly be the case? But that is the case. Um, so there's, there's something going on there where there's potentially a real sense of joy that can be found in, in the people around you telling you who you are and you kind of fitting into that space and, in, and into that role. Um, America mostly does not do that. That is not how we, we do things. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but that, that's, that's the outward way of forming identity. In our culture, we do this differently. We form identity in an inward way. Inward is, is, the, is the other option here for identity formation. You, and, and really, to, to define inward, I would just say it this way. You are who you say you are. So we, and you've heard this your whole life. We tell kids and everyone sort of growing up and into adulthood, you choose, you decide. You decide what's right. You decide what's good. It's a song lyric. It's, it's it, from pop culture to Broadway shows to movies to musicals to, to um, books and, and magazines. And there's so much, and, and articles out there, there's so much that basically says you are going to decide and you get to be, you get to choose your identity at your core, who you are. You look inside there and then you tell us who you are. You decide the whole thing. And in the last couple of years, that concept has really leveled up. Like when I was a kid, they would tell you, like, you can, you can be whatever you want to be. And what we meant by that was you can do whatever you want to do. But we would say, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? So it sounds like an identity question. Who are you? What do you want to be? Not what do you want to do, even though we're, that's really what we're asking. And so we would say, what do you want to be? And when I was a kid, we would say things like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I want to be an astronaut. Because an astronaut, when I was a kid, was a thing you could be. We can't even get rockets in space anymore. We don't even know. I'm old enough to remember when rockets actually got into space. It was exciting. So now, but, but so this is what we do. We, 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 we tell people to look inward and discover this like unlimited human potential that's in there. Like find your inner self and, and you can do whatever you want. We say, you know, if you can believe it, you can achieve it. It like, kind of rhymes, so it's good. Like if you can dream it, you can be it. Like we tell people that. The problem is, and there's many problems, but one big problem with that is it's not true. You can't actually be whatever you want to be. Uh, if there are children in the room, I'm sorry. I, if, if I, I feel like I just let something out of the bag here. I'm not calling your parents liars. They probably have told you, but I just want you to know um, you cannot be whatever you want to be. I could want to be in the NBA, but look. <laughs> just look right here for a minute. It's not happening for me. I don't have the fast twitch muscle fibers. I, yeah, I could practice a lot or whatever. We love that story. But look, Rudy played one game at Notre Dame. He did not make it in the NFL. Like it's not, there's a limit to how great that story. We cried and we, you know, the slow clap and all that. Like we were into it. I get it. We're excited about that. But at the end of the day, you can't actually be whatever you want to be. There's a wide range and maybe we need to think bigger and all of that and maybe there's more opportunity available to us than in other countries or at other times in history. Like, all of that's true, but let's, let's be honest. Um, you can't be whatever you want to be. And, and so our, our sense of identity is a little bit like that. We tell people to be whatever and we have taken it far beyond a career. We're now saying things like, I identify as and we're going through a whole range of things that we're saying when I look inside, this is who I am. I am, you know, uh, we, 
a different race, a different, uh, a different sex or gender. We, we, we say that kind of stuff. Um, physical qualities that we may not have that we say we have. Um, we, change, we can change our name. Like all these things we're saying, um, this is how far... This is how far we've taken it. And it, and it, and it kind of sounds weird to say I identify as something that I'm clearly, like, not. But this is the logical conclusion of where we have gone. We have told people to look in and find out what you want in there and then tell us what it is. And it goes very far. Now, I understand, especially around the sex-gender conversation, uh, that is, like, the hot topic right now. Uh, and I'm not going to get into all of that right now. Okay, so you can breathe easier and go to lunch feeling okay like we didn't. We will have that conversation in September. So if you want to send me emails, it'll be in September. That's the time to, um, we'll have that conversation. So, so we, we look inward to form identity. And the thing with identity formation in culture is that um, we don't always notice that we're doing it. Like we don't, we don't realize that that's kind of what we saddle kids with in our culture growing up. Because we just assume it's so self-evident and obvious, and this is just the way it is. This is how people grow. This is how people are formed. Every culture is a little bit blind in some ways to how they are forming uh, identity. We, we would say, like, yeah, your identity is you know, what you say. Like, of course it is. Of course you choose that. Like, it, we're the culture of freedom. And, and here's what I believe is true. The inward way of forming identity and the outward way of forming identity, both of them are cages. The outward one is obvious because it's not our culture. We can look at other cultures and go, man, they make you marry that person. Man, you're told to have that job. Man, you're, you're, you're told to live in this place and be with these people. That must be, like, stifling. We can see that as a cage. That must be horrible for you. But what we don't recognize is how it, in our, our own culture, we don't see it as stifling. We don't realize that, that it is actually stifling also. Why do we think that an outward identity and not an inward identity is bad or wrong? Why, why do we see it but not see the inward one? Well, it, it is the stories we tell. You know, I, 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 I have seen plenty of Disney movies, but they are fun to bag on every now and then. And, um, you know, that is the story told over and over and over. It's like the plot line of almost every Disney film, right? What is Belle stuck in? She's stuck in that provincial life. She's in a traditional culture in some bucolic village in France, and apparently that's not good. I, well, I'm trying to get there, but she doesn't like it. You know, apparently it's not good. And she needs to break free from that of what people say she should be. And she's made for more, right? That's the story. And she needs to go inward and find out who she really is. And Ariel is stuck under the sea. And she's got an oppressive father who's telling her who she should be. And she doesn't want to be there. She wants to be where the people are. And she's like, so there's a whole nother, it's a whole nother version of the same story. Don't let them tell you who you are. You look inside and figure that out, right? Uh, Merida, she's, you know, she's not supposed, her mom wants her to be a princess. No, I'm not going to be a princess. I'm going to shoot the bow and arrow. And I, I'm not going to do what you, I'm not going to be who you say I am. I'm going to be who I say I am. There's a reason that story makes sense to us because we keep telling it over and over to children, and we all grow up with it. The story is outward sucks, inward is where it's at. You decide who you are. But there are many problems with forming our identity that way. Number one, the inward identity is incoherent. An inward identity, when you look in there, I mean, like, when you look in there, what do you see? Because just being honest, me, right? If I look inside and go, who am I? Who, who am I really? There's a lot of conflicting things going on in there. It's like, who am I, like, today? Like, I'm, you know, noble and good and right and loving. 
I'm also prideful and selfish and arrogant. And it kind of depends on the day. And even within the day, it depends on like what I had for breakfast. And like, did I get enough sleep? And like, there are lots of conflicting things going on in, inside of us. There's a part of me that wants to do what is right. And there's a part of me that some days just wants to do what is wrong. My emotions are all over the place. So how, how do I look inside me and go, yeah, that, that all aligns, that all works. Like, this is who I truly am. Tim Keller gives this analogy. He says, uh, and, and this is where I think it's incoherent and we need to pay attention. Um, imagine you are an Anglo-Saxon warrior like a thousand years ago, okay? You're an Anglo-Saxon warrior walking down the streets of Anglo-Saxia, whatever. So you're, you're walking in, what, London? I don't know. Wherever they walk. Okay, so you're an Anglo-Saxon warrior, and, um, and you look inside yourself to, to figure out who you are. And in there, you go, I like to kill people and break things. I mean, good for you. Like, you're, that that's, feels like a job requirement for what you do. Like, you're, okay, you look, let's say, then you look inside, I like to kill people, break things, and then you also see inside you, I am sexually attracted to other men. If you're a man, right? You go, I'm so, one of those things you will go, this is who I truly am. And the other one, you'll go, that's, that ain't me. I don't know what that's about, but that's not me. How do you, how do you decide? Let's say you're walking down the streets of Richmond today, and you look inside yourself, and you go, all right, who am I in there? And you go, I like to kill people and break things. And then you also look and you go, I am sexually attracted to other men. One of those things will be accepted by culture and will we'll go, yes, that's who you truly are. And one of those things will say, no, that's not you. You need to you know, ignore that and, and don't, don't get into that. That's, that's not who you truly are. The, 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 the internal identity that we, that we come to, it's, it's incoherent. And even the stuff you think is core, the stuff that's in there, it actually, we think it's inward, but it's coming from the outside. There's still cultural expectations about who you are, and those are voices that we listen to that help us to decide, this is me, this is not me, even, even internally. So the inter- inward identity is incoherent. Also, the inward identity is unstable. What I, what I don't see when I look around, and, and this is all across the board, I don't see a lot of people um, on social media or, or just out in, in culture, I don't see a lot of people who, feel, who seem to be very secure in who they are. I see a, a lot of instability um, when, when our identity is built from this inward place. Um, I, I could not think of the perfect illustration for this. I, I guess... Um, one way I thought about it is, let's say you'd never played baseball before, and I said, hey, um, we're going to play baseball. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to throw the ball, so you're going to take this bat, and you're going to hit the ball, and after you hit the ball, you're going to run over to that base that's over there. <laughs> if you're a little kid, you're going to run to any of them, but hopefully the first one, right, is what we're, what we're shooting for. That one over there to your right. Uh, you're going to go over there and then stay there, and that's, that's how we do baseball. And if you hit it really far, you can run to more bases, and we kind of explain that. That would make sense, and you go, okay, I understand the rules, I'm going to do it. And quickly you'd find out, hey, I'm pretty good at this, or you'd find out, like, oh, this is really hard, and I'm not good at it, and I don't, I'm not sure this is my thing, and I don't like running or whatever. But what if I said to you, and you've never played baseball before, I said, what if I handed you a bat, and I got the ball, and I said, hey, we're going to play baseball, and, and I'm going to throw the ball, and you just do what you feel. Like, if you want to catch that ball when I throw it and run around, do it. If you want to hit it, do it. If you want to throw the bat, 
do that. If you want to dance across the field, dance. By all means, you do you, go with your heart, do what feels best in the moment, and, 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 that's, and that'll be great. The, the problem is, you're going to be sitting there going like, like in the first example of the game, you're going to be like, am I good at this or not? It's clear. In the second example of baseball, you're going to be like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing me, and I'm, I'm dancing, and I'm throwing the ball where I want to go, but like, is this working? Like, am I winning? Am I useful to the team? Is anything happening here that's good? Like, I'm just doing my thing, but like, I, I, I don't know. We don't have any way to evaluate that. And I, and I think when we build an identity internally, it's a little bit like that. We don't actually know if we're winning. We don't know if we're useful. There's always a sense of uncertainty um, and instability. And I think this is why, and uh, I think this is why so many people shout their identity on social media. People go, oh man, my parents were so oppressive and they made me this thing and they said I had to be this and man, I'm not that, you know. And so we, we get out there and we say on social media, this is who I am. I'm, I'm this kind of person. I identify this way. I'm into these things. Not what my stupid church told me growing up. Not what my teachers told me. Not what my parents, because they're lame. Not them. This is who I am. And we shout it because we want another group of people to tell us that we're okay. It's unstable. You'd think we wouldn't need to shout it at all. We just go, this is who I am, and I'm very secure in that. But, but we end up seeking the approval of a whole bunch of people. We want a whole bunch of people to line up and tell us, you're amazing, you're the best, you're doing it right, this is great. Because even when we try to make an inward identity, it's still outward. We still reach out to others to go, will you affirm the decisions that I'm, I'm making? Um, this freely chosen inward identity is unstable. It's like a, it's like a sandcastle built on sand. It may be a cool-looking sandcastle, but that is eventually going to crumble. Last one. The inward identity is crushing. So it's in, incoherent, it's unstable, and it's crushing. Yeah, it can be a lot to live up to the outward expectations of, of the culture. It can be a lot to be who your mom wants you to be. It can be a lot to live up to dad's expectations, and it can be a lot to your teacher said you were going to be this, and what if I disappoint my guidance counselor, and what if I disappoint this mentor, and what if I, it can be a lot to live up to those things. But I would argue that if you, if you ignore all of that and set up your own internal um, system of, of identity, that, that is going to crush you. It'll crush you. Because you're because it won't work, because you'll say, well, no, who I am, I am who I say I am, and who I am is a good father. Well, what happens when your kid says you're not? Well, I am a good salesman. What happens when the economy tanks and you can't sell? Well, I'm the funny one. What happens when everyone stops laughing? I'm the pretty one. What happens when beauty fades? Like, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to build on there, it can be taken away from you. And if you've built your life on it, it will crush you when it goes away. This is, sure, it, it's, it's nice to not, you know, become the princess because mom needed me to be the princess. It's nice to not have that. But, I mean, I guess it's valuable to be able to pick your poison, but at the end of the day, it's still poison and it still kills you. So this inward identity that we do primarily in this country, um, it's, it's, not, it's not good. And so I'm not saying today um, 
the alternative is let's go back to arranged marriages and the provincial life. I'm not saying that. And I'm also not saying, um, hey, just look inside yourself and you decide, listen to your inner guide, your inner warmth, knowing spirit, whatever the new age gurus. I'm not saying, you know, get up and shout it out loud. Who do you think you are? I am or whatever. Like you were like, I'm not saying you have to do that whole thing. Um, I'm saying both of those things are cages. They're both cages. One is the one that family and others put on us. One is the one that we don't realize we're putting on ourselves and really we're using other people outside to also build that cage for ourselves. There's a third option, that our identity is not outward, it's not inward. I'll say it this way, our identity is upward. This is how we can be free of the cages that culture is putting on us. It's upward. Now there's a lot of scripture I could point to on this. Um, I know we haven't even cracked a Bible yet at this point, but I am a Bible teacher, so I got to do it. And it's all over the scripture. There's so much language around who you are, not just what you do, right? And I think that's on purpose um, because God made us and he knows that this sense of self and who we are and what we're about, um, it's important. And so 1 Peter um, chapter 2, uh, there's, there's Peter uh, gives to to, the, to the, the readers of this letter, he gives them um, some identity language. I want you to hear it. First Peter 2, we'll start with verse 9. It says this, um, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. All right, when you read something like that, you have to know a little bit of context. If you read the beginning of that letter, you see who Peter wrote the letter to, and he wrote it to a bunch of new believers in modern-day Turkey, what was called like Asia Minor at that time, but Galatia and Bithynia and these regions that are all like Turkey now. He writes a letter to these new believers there, and these people are, um, a lot of them are Gentiles, meaning non-Jews, and uh, so this language he's giving them, he's saying, look, you guys are God's people also. The Jews had always thought of themselves as we are the, the people of God. And he's saying, no, there's, there's something else going on. Gentiles who are Roman, uh, who, from a pagan background, Roman background, um, and they, uh, th- so there's, there's, they, they're the recipients of this letter. And so they think of themselves as, well, I'm, I'm a Roman, like I'm a Roman citizen, um, maybe that would be a part of their, how they would think of their identity. And Peter is writing to let them know that, no, no, there's something new happening here, and you need to receive it from, from God. There's an, there's an, and he uses this you are identity sort of, sort of language. It's an upward receiving identity, not something you decide in your heart, and it's not something that, that was given to you from the outside. It's, it's, from, it's from the Lord. And look at the words he uses. You are a chosen race. Now, race for us gets like racial overtones and that kind of thing, um, which can be a little distracting for us. I, I think what you want to focus in there is that, um, that he's saying you are chosen. If you are Gentiles, you know you are different than Jews. So Gentiles would be all of us who are not Jews, which is probably just about everybody in this room. Uh, and, and he's saying, um, no, even in that, God chose you. God wants you. 
the Jews thought of themselves as we're God's chosen. We're, you know, God loves the world, but we're his favorite kind of thing. And, and Peter's going, no, no, and he's Jewish. Peter's going, no, no, you guys are, you're made for this. You are chosen by God. How, how powerful is that for our sense of identity? To know that you and I are not a mistake. We are here on purpose. Like there, there's something going on in the world and God sees you and he knows you. And these are Christians who are gonna go under a lot of persecution. And if you're starting to follow Jesus and all of your Roman neighbors start to hate you, you're gonna sort of wonder like, is this really what we're supposed to be doing? And Peter comes out and says, no, who you are in your identity, you are chosen by God. That is, a, that is a powerful thing. So even when this goes bad, remember, God chose you. You're a chosen race. And then he says, number two, you are a royal priesthood. Both of those words don't fit with us really well, right? Because America, we don't do royalty really. Um, but the idea is Jesus is king. And so we get to be like adopted into his family. So we get to be like princesses and princesses and stuff. Like we're, we're like in the, the royal family. Now, you know, royal family's been in the news a lot lately, and <laughs> it's not always great how they, you know, their relationship with the press, and there's just a lot there. But if you could pull away from that for a second and just go, look, like royalty, like you are sons and daughters of the king. There's a, there's a dignity that comes with that. There's, there's power in that. And he, he chooses these words on, on purpose. You're not average. You're not nothing. You're something. Not because you're awesome, but because you know Jesus. You're, you're, you're with him. And so he says, this is who you are. You're royal. And he says you're a priesthood. Again, not something any of us probably signed up for. I don't want to be a priest. I, I don't look good in robes. Like, whatever. Like, we're going to say, that's weird. and get it. But if you think about what a priest actually does, a priest intercedes for other people before God. So they make sacrifices to God. They pray to God for you or whatever. They, they in some ways, are like go-between between other people and God. Um, and if all of us are now priests, in a sense, um, what we should be doing is interceding before God for each other. We should be praying for each other. We should be encouraging one another. We should be praying for people outside of the faith and outside of the community so we can say, hey, God, this is my friend, and they need to know you, and I'm going to pray for them. Like, that's what, priests, uh, that's what priests do. And, and this idea of a royal priesthood should give us a sense of, um, uh, uh, to use modern psychological language, this should give us a sense of, of good self-esteem. We are, we are not a mistake. We're not trash. We're, no matter what our parents said, no matter what your teacher said, no matter what your ex said, um, there's value here. You're royal. You're a priest. And then finally, he, he says, we're a holy nation. Um, the word holy means we're set apart. That's what it means. I, I was talking to a group of guys this week, and I, I realized how much, uh, a couple weeks ago actually, and I realized how much uh, Americans, or how we get the word holy, and it sort of freaks us out. We're just kind of like, mm. like holy, what, holy books, holy water, holy temple, like it's, it's, it's so other. But the word holy means set apart for a purpose, and in, in maybe in this case a, a sacred purpose. Um, but there, if we're going to be a holy nation, as he says we are, this is what we are, 
There's something different about us. We should have a different value set, a different lifestyle. We should be making different choices about money, about our habits. We should have different goals, different disciplines that we engage in, different views on sex or, 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 or money or all the things. We, we, there's something different about the people of God. And that's okay. It's okay to be different. Um, as, as, as God looks down at, uh, at you on your street and goes, okay, this is one of my people because they act and live differently than everyone else on the street because they're, they're following me. That's, that's okay. And he says, holy, set-apart nation. The word nation is a Greek word, ethne, which is where we get our word ethnic. Um, and we think of that almost entirely in um, racial terms or skin color terms, those sort of things. Uh, but really, it, it sort of means like a common culture. There's a group of people who have this common culture of beliefs and sets of values and language and all that. And so he's saying you are supposed to be a set-apart common culture, this group of people that come together, that are together, and you believe different things than the rest of the world. That is really a, a pretty good understanding of what a church is, like a faith community like this. This is what we are. We're people who come together. We, have, we come from different backgrounds, but we have this shared identity we, we have a common culture here. We are believing things the rest of the culture doesn't believe. Um, and these things are not the stuff we make up. This is not us going inward and discovering this or just asking a friend. This is what we have received from God. This is written, you know, to believers in Turkey, but it's also written to us. We are, we are people of God, and there's, there's a, a strong foundation of identity there. Now, I'm just touching the surface of identity. Again, there's a lot to say. We'll, we'll talk about some more um, in September. We'll do some stuff with it. Um, I'm just touching the surface today. I, I'm trying to shake the cage, uh, honestly, because um, we, are, we are in these cages right now. And so receive your identity from God. Yeah, it's outward. It comes from outside of you, but all of the identities at some level come from outside of you. But in this case, the identity that comes from outside you comes from the one who created you and knows you and loves you and died for you. There's strength there. You're not earning it. It's not unstable because I have, can I earn this or not? You are receiving what God has given you. And it's a beautiful thing. So one way we receive that identity from the Lord is we are baptized. We give our lives to him. We say, I'm going to immerse, get immersed in water. I'm going to be born again. It's a, a new birth. Uh, we baptized a couple people down the river a couple weeks ago. We're baptizing a couple people right after church today um, over, over at 2810. You can come over and cheer if you want and see that. Um, or if you want to talk about being baptized, we're I'm glad to talk to you. I'll be up at the Next Steps table afterwards. We can talk about that of like, hey, let's get baptized today and whatever you're wearing or whatever will be fine. Um, receive, that, is, that is one way we receive the identity that Christ has, has given us. And then if you have been baptized... Um, I, I would say this, uh, go back to Scripture, read the New Testament, go back to it daily, and be reminded of who you are. Um, because culture shouts very loudly that you're all these other things. You're going to hear those messages all day long in advertising and social media and TV and all that. You're going to hear that. And we have to keep coming back to the source and going, okay, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Okay, I get it. Like, and, and go back and read and, and, and live this out. This is going to be awkward at times. You're going to have to stand out from the culture around. Um, and and there will be people who don't like the way you're doing it because it challenges the way they're doing it. Um, I get that. But we, we, we need to go back and be reminded 
of, of to the scripture to be reminded of who we, who we truly are and receive this upward identity that Christ has given us. I think this is the only way out of the identity crisis that we find ourselves in as a culture. It's the only way to be free of those cages. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you for making us something, for, um, for Im- imbuing these bodies with your spirit, with your presence, um, for, for stamping your image on us and making us something higher than the animals and the beasts. Um, there's something else going on here, God, and we are on a quest. We, we struggle. We've, we look to our parents to tell us. We look to teachers to tell us. We look, try to look inside to figure it out. Um, but God, I acknowledge today, and we want to acknowledge that it, it comes from you. Um, you set that foundation. You tell us who we are. God, that's uncomfortable because sometimes we're not sure if it fits, and we're not sure how to live it out, and we're not sure what to do, but help us to dive into that um, and, and, and be free of these cages that culture puts around us or we are putting around ourselves. Um, help us to be free of that and really know you and receive our identity from you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.